Hey, way to go, Connection Point. Those families you just saw are a few of the 105 families who we got to give Christmas to this last week. That's right, winter coats for the kids, meals and gift cards and Christmas presents, and most importantly, them knowing that God loves them, that God is looking out for them. You might remember that story that our executive pastor Greg referred to. We have a business owner in the church whose business downtown was looted back over the summer. He had to close it down. When I reached out to him and said, hey, how can we help you as a church? He said, get this, my small group is meeting all my needs. We have no needs because my small group is meeting all my needs, but would the church take care of my employees? So way to go, church. We got to take care of those employees and so many others. In a year of unpredictable crises and tribulations, God has used you as a church to care for each other and to show his love to the world around us. Well, I wanna talk with you today about the times when you feel disappointed by life or maybe even disappointed by God. The times when you thought God was going to work in a certain way or life was going to go a certain way. Maybe you even had a dream from God, you feel, or a word from God, and it just didn't happen. You know, back around Thanksgiving, my elementary age daughter, she had a plate full of food and she had really worked hard to get everything just the way she wanted it on that plate. And she was walking across the kitchen when she tripped and all that food went spilling on the floor. I could just see the emotion in her face. She was just so defeated. And what a picture that is of our lives whether you're in high school, in college, whether you're a retiree or a young parent or you're looking for a spouse or whatever you're going through in life. We reach these places where we kind of feel like we've finally got things just right and then life trips us up. I found a funny compilation of this the other night. My son and I were watching funny videos as he was falling asleep. We do this right before we pray at bedtime. And I got to show you some of these kids who had their dreams smashed, but feel free to laugh. No one got injured. Everyone survived. Let's take a look. Let's lighten up. Let's laugh a little bit together. After one hour of trying to put Adam to sleep. Adam, no. Come here. Well, I don't know about you, but it's good to laugh a little bit, especially at the expense of those precious children. But here's what I wonder. Where can you relate to that feeling? Uh, Where is it that you feel like your best efforts just aren't getting you anywhere? I mean, maybe right now you're disappointed by life or maybe you even feel disappointed by God. Maybe you feel like God led you to do something or you were trying to do the right thing and everything fell apart. How can you possibly move forward? What can you do? I wanna encourage you right now to identify the area in your life where you feel like your Jenga tower of blocks has fallen on you or your plate of food has spilled on the ground. Where is it that you feel 
like God has either abandoned you or maybe you even feel like God misled you. As you identify that area, I wanna encourage you to join me right now in just saying, God, would you speak to me through your word and show me what you wanna teach me today? With that prayer, let's start here in Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph. Now you've heard of Joseph before, Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, but what we're gonna do today is we're gonna really get into the mind, the psychology of how Joseph must have felt. You see, Joseph had a life plan. He was gonna marry this beautiful young girl named Mary, and he was gonna have a fairly normal life, which in that culture met, meant he would live near his relatives. He would work the trade probably that his dad had taught him, and they would live where he knew the language and the culture. It would have been a pretty predictable life. But all of a sudden, Joseph's life plan got flipped over and turned on its side. Look here as verse 18 continues. It says, before the marriage took place, while Mary was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, he was a righteous man and he didn't want to disgrace her. In other words, Joseph decides, okay, the girl I'm engaged to is pregnant I know that I didn't cause her to get pregnant, so I think I'm gonna end this marriage. And he decides that he's gonna do this quietly. Now, in this culture at this time, Joseph and Mary already would have had a huge party. All their relatives, all their neighbors know that they're engaged and that they're about to become married. Now that Mary is pregnant, Joseph is super embarrassed. He's trying to figure out what to do. And as Joseph is trying to figure out what to do, look at this in verse 20. It says, as he considered this, as Joseph is deciding, you know, how do I quietly divorce Mary? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this angel, this messenger of God in his dream says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary will have this son and you are to name him Jesus. Now, this is interesting. In this culture, it was the father's job to name the son. And so this angel says, not only do you need to stay with Mary, but her son is the Messiah, the savior of the world. And Joseph, you actually have a role to play. You're gonna be his human dad and you're gonna name him Jesus, which means savior. We talked about that word last week. Why will he be named savior? Because he will save his people from their sins. Well, this is so interesting because Joseph's life plan has been disrupted. Now God has said, Joseph, here's what I want you to do. And let's look in the very next verse to see how does Joseph respond in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And he took Mary as his wife. And then after Jesus is born, he's gonna obey the other thing that he was commanded. He's going to name the child Jesus. Now, I just want you to think about this for a minute from Joseph's perspective. First of all, after an angel appears to you and says, uh, yeah, your wife is pregnant, the child is the Messiah, I would guess that Joseph made some assumptions. I know I would have. I would have assumed, well, God's gonna be looking out for his son. And so life will probably be pretty simple from here. 
Joseph probably didn't assume that they were gonna have to run for their lives from Herod who would be trying to kill them. He probably assumed that maybe money and resources would become really easy because I mean, he is raising God's kid after all, but Joseph still had to work a normal job. In fact, I want you to think just that night when Mary and Joseph were looking for an inn where Jesus would be born. And you know the story, there were no room in any of the inns and Joseph and Mary ended up having to give birth to baby Jesus in a barn, in a stable. I want you to imagine the fatigue and the frustration for Joseph. He and Mary had already walked many miles to get there to Bethlehem. And then he's going from inn to inn and he's turned away over and over again. Can you imagine how frustrating this must have been? His wife is pregnant. He is confused. God has given him a promise. He's trying to obey, but it's exhausting and it's frustrating. Not only this, but as the story continues, these dreams from God, where God says, once again, Joseph, the plan has changed, they're gonna happen three more times. And in the process of the next few years, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, they're gonna have to flee on foot and they're gonna have to go from city to city running for their lives. In fact, I've put together a little map here to show you just a little bit of their journey. Here's where Joseph and Mary would have started, south of Bethlehem, where they lived before that census was decreed. Then they went to Bethlehem and that's where Jesus was born. You might remember from two weeks ago, the Magi then showed up in Bethlehem and after the Magi leave, God warns Joseph in another dream, Herod's gonna try to kill you, so run to Egypt. So sure enough, Joseph takes Mary and the baby. Now imagine this, traveling on foot. It's hard enough to travel with a newborn when you've got a car seat and a nice reliable car, let alone on foot, they go all the way to Egypt. They're gonna be in Egypt for a season, probably a couple of years. Now, Egypt is a place where they don't know the language, they don't know the culture. This would have been really, really difficult to leave their families and go to Egypt based on what God said. Then, after they're finally settled in Egypt, God's gonna send another dream. It says, Herod is dead, you can go back. So they start to go back and then even on the way back, God's gonna pivot the plan a little bit till they finally land in Nazareth. Now here's what you need to know today in your life where you feel like the plan keeps changing or maybe you feel like you're making progress and then it's all falling apart. You need to know this, when God's plan is different than you expected, it's because God's doing something better than you expected. You know, God's plan for Joseph's life was so different from Joseph's plan for Joseph's life. But God's plan wasn't worse. It was far better. Joseph would become father to the Messiah of the world. He would become named. Kids would be named Joseph all around the world in every century. Today, you'll meet lots of Joes named after Joseph. He gets to be part of the greatest story in all of eternity, but it's not gonna be comfortable it's not gonna be easy. And I don't know in your life right now where you feel like things aren't going the way you wanted, but I just wanna encourage you with this idea from Joseph's life. When God's plan is different than you expected, it's because God is doing something better than you expected. You know, think of Mary and Joseph and the emotions they must have been feeling after God chooses them 
to play such a crucial role in human history. They probably didn't expect to be falsely accused when rumors were going around about Mary being pregnant and what must her and Joseph have done. They probably didn't expect to be this poor that after they become the parents of Jesus, they probably think, oh, there must be a trust fund that comes with this baby. But no, that wasn't the case. They probably didn't expect to be hated. They probably didn't expect to be running for their lives. And they probably didn't expect that in their own lifetimes, they would see their son around 30 years of age, stripped and beaten, mocked by a crowd of people who hated him, ultimately crucified on a Roman cross where his mom, Mary, would be standing, making eye contact with her son, hearing him say, Father in heaven, forgive these people, these who sin, they know not what they do. Oh, God's plan for our lives is far better than our plans, but that doesn't mean it's easier. It's often more difficult. So what do you need to know where life isn't going as you've planned? You need to know if God's plan is different, it's because his plan is better. And what do you need to do? Here's what you need to do. You need to obey what God has already revealed to you. Joseph models this for us so well. Joseph doesn't know the whole picture. He doesn't know the future, but Joseph faithfully obeys one step at a time. His life gets disrupted. I'm sure he felt all the emotions that we feel, but each and every time Joseph obeyed what God has already revealed to him. In fact, we're gonna walk through quickly today three more times where the plan changes and Joseph's life gets turned upside down over and over again. Each and every time, Joseph doesn't know the future, but each and every time he obeys what's right in front of him. I wonder in your life, what is right in front of you that you know it's God's will for you to be part of church every weekend, or it's God's will for you to be in a small group, or it's God's will for you to start worshiping him with your time, with your relationships, with your finances. What is it that God has already revealed to you? You know, there's a sequence of obedience. When you obey the first thing that God reveals to you, it's then that you move forward and he'll obey the next thing. And that's how you walk the path of life that God has planned for you. There's a beautiful story of this right here in our church family. Our sister Carmen and our brother Leroy Worlds, they're right here. Carmen and Leroy have been part of this church for a few years now. And Carmen and Leroy earlier in 2020 heard the call that if we really want to grow in Christ, we've got to be in meaningful relationship with other believers. Now they could have made excuses and said, yeah, we're pretty mature Christians. We don't really need that. But they said, we're going to obey the next step in front of us. And so they joined a small group and Carmen and Leroy, they were excited when they joined that small group. But here's the thing, that small group wasn't the group for them. Maybe you've experienced this or maybe you've heard of others where you try a small group and it's just not quite the right fit. Well, Carmen and Leroy, they could have given up, but I'm so proud of them that they didn't. They kept praying and they kept asking God, God, what's the small group that you have for us? Who are the people you have for us? And in a year of, of so much turmoil of 2020, I know Carmen has had such a heart as she's shared with me to see uh, unity within the body of Christ. 
and to see racial divisions and other things that we see in the country, to see the church show the difference, that we're a place of unity. And it has been a joy to see Carmen and her husband faithfully walk with the Lord and to see him lead them to a small group where they feel like they can just 100% be themselves. Carmen was writing the other day and she said this, we wanna celebrate God's goodness in placing us into this specific small group. We're blessed by the interesting and unique journeys that God has all of us on. We dive deep every week into the study guides from the church. We feel so at ease with our church family, although our group just began this fall. We're traveling around the world by making food from each country. After dining, we discuss and pray for the people of that nation. We've been to Canada, Mexico, and Guatemala on these virtual mission trips. We're grateful for the privilege to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. What's the point? Uh, Carmen and her husband have found a perfect small group for them and they're absolutely loving it. They're experiencing the body of Christ like never before, but it didn't happen on the first attempt. And, and what they did is they stayed faithful. God showed them their next step. And very much like Joseph, they took the next step and then life got hard again. And so they took the next step. And I'm so proud of Carmen and Leroy for just continuing to follow Jesus. I wonder for you, what's the next step that God has for you? Maybe it's actually texting the word next to the number on our screen, because we have a next steps class if you don't know what your next step is. Maybe your call, like Carmen, is to become a small group leader. She and her husband, Leroy, are now leading this small group. And you know what? Our small groups team was telling me that for January, we need about 20 new small group leaders. God's bringing new families into our church and we need small group leaders who will say, hey, we'll be kind of the point person. We give you all the materials that you need, but if you're in a place spiritually where you could gather a few others to go through a study, then text the word lead to the number on our screen. Why? Because we grow as we keep taking the next step in our journey. We'll look at Joseph's next step here in Matthew 2. This is gonna be the second time that Joseph's life gets totally tipped upside down. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So this is the second time that an angel has come in a dream to Joseph. This time the angel says, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there, the angel continues, until I tell you to return. Why? Because Herod's gonna search for the baby to try to kill him. And I love this next verse. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. I love it that the angel comes to Joseph a second dream and Joseph wakes up and he says, right away, I'm going that very night. If you say people are coming to kill our little baby, we are hitting the road right now in the middle of the night. I love it that Joseph's life, we don't have words from him, but we have his actions. Joseph trusted and obeyed even when it didn't make sense. Joseph trusted and obeyed even when God's plans seemed delayed. Joseph trusted and obeyed even when a skeptical person would have said, God, uh, why are you taking us all around? You know, you're telling us to go here. You're telling us to go there. Joseph keeps trusting and obeying. He actually reminds me as I was studying him of an old song. It goes like this, trust and obey for there's no other way 
to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You know, the whole Christian life can be summarized in those words, trust and obey. You believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's trusting. But then Jesus says, come, follow me. I will teach you how to live your life. So you trust him, you believe in him, but then you follow him, you obey him. We're learning these things from Joseph today. You trust and obey first when it doesn't make any sense in your life. When, when you're like, God, this makes no sense. That's what we already saw, right? Uh, your wife, your fiance rather, is pregnant, but God impregnated her and God's got this whole plan, right? It made no sense. He trusts and obey. Then you trust and obey immediately. If God says, hey, get up and go to Egypt, you wake up in the middle of the night and you go to Egypt. And then look at this in verse 15 of chapter two. It says that they stayed there, they stayed in Egypt until Herod's death. So this was quite some time. And this was done to fulfill a prophecy about Jesus. But the point is this, it was not a comfortable place to stay. When Mary and Joseph got to Egypt, it's a different culture. And it was a time when immigrants were not really accepted. This must have been really, really difficult. But Joseph trusted and obeyed faithfully. And that's the third thing I want you to see today about trusting and obeying God in your life today. Trust him and obey him, even if it doesn't make sense. Trust him and obey him immediately. As soon as he shows you what to do in some area, do it. And then trust him and obey him faithfully. That season in Egypt, it would have been weeks, months, possibly years of just doing the right thing, wondering when are we going to leave Egypt? But Joseph just stays faithful. You know, Joseph comes from a line of people who stayed faithful to God. Joseph's lineage is listed in the Christmas story, and one of his ancestors is a woman named Ruth. Now, Ruth was a widow, and I can't unpack her whole story, but Ruth, in the same way, trusted God after her husband had passed away. She didn't have food. She didn't know what to do, and she kept trusting God. I love it that in our church family, we have pictures of all these different dimensions of trusting and obeying. When I think of trusting and obeying, I think of an 80-year-old sister in our church family. Her name is Sue Farmer. Sue will turn 81 here in January. Sue's husband went home to be with the Lord about four years ago, I believe. And Sue is just one of these godly, godly women. About every month, I will get a handwritten letter from Sue expressing how she's praying for me in the leadership. Back in April, when our whole staff was trying to figure out how do we minister during COVID-19, Sue Farmer handwrote a prayer and a letter to every single one of our 70 plus staff members, Sue Farmer is one of these people who is faithfully serving the Lord. She's one of thousands in our church who pray every day, who give every month, who serve faithfully. It's when we trust and obey faithfully that we keep going from door to door, unlocking the path that God has for our lives. We'll look at this in verse 19, probably right about the time that Joseph and Mary have finally gotten settled in Egypt. <laughs> they finally kind of learned how to make a living there. Well, now another angel's gonna come in another dream here in Matthew 2, verse 19. When Herod died, 
an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now, if you're Joseph at this time, you're having this dream and you see the angel and you think, oh no, here we go again. Every time one of you angels shows up in my dreams, it just turns my life upside down. And here's what the angel says in verse 20. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother, go back to the land of Israel. That's where Joseph grew up. So he's probably kind of excited about this because those who are trying to kill the child are now dead. Verse 21, so Joseph gets up. He starts returning to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. And you finally are in this place where you're like, okay, good. Everything's back to normal. Joseph and Mary, they can go back to their families in whatever village they grew up in. They can raise Jesus. Jesus will have a grandma and grandpa like everyone else. He'll have a fairly normal childhood. Finally back home, finally back where we know the language and the customs. And I just have to imagine the sense of emotion for Joseph and Mary as they start making this trip home. Maybe you can relate to this. I've got a few cities like Midland, Michigan, where I grew up, or Scottsdale, Arizona, or Greenville, South Carolina, different cities where I had formative years of different parts of my life. And if I go back to those cities, it stirs up emotions. Can you relate to that? You go back to a city where maybe you were in college or you spent some of your childhood and you see a familiar street or some familiar buildings and it stirs up these emotions. Well, this I imagine is happening for Joseph and Mary as they start to get close to the area where they want to return to their hometowns. And once again, life is gonna get turned upside down. Look here at verse 22. It says, but when he learned that the new ruler of Judea, that's kind of the region where they were gonna live, was Herod's son, Joseph was afraid. So he's getting back and then he's hearing, hey, what's changed? What's going on? Herod's dead. Who's the new ruler? Oh, the new ruler's Herod's son, Joseph starts to become fearful. And then after being warned in a dream, now if you're counting, this is dream number four, okay? Dream number four, where an angel warns Joseph again and he leaves for the region of Galilee. And then in Galilee, they're gonna move into a little town, verse 23, called Nazareth, the town of Nazareth. And this is actually where Jesus will spend most of his childhood. It's where he'll learn the trade of carpentry from his dad. It'll be from Nazareth when Jesus is 12 years old that Joseph and Mary will travel to Jerusalem. And we've got that story of Jesus at the temple when he's 12. Here's the point. The plan must have felt for Joseph like it was constantly changing. And I wanna encourage you in your life today, wherever you feel like the plan is constantly changing or the food is constantly spilling, keep trusting God, keep obeying God in these four specific ways. Trust and obey first when it doesn't make sense. Secondly, immediately, as soon as you know what God's plan is. Third, faithfully. And then fourth, when the plan changes again and you feel like, God, why does the plan keep changing? It keeps changing because God's plan is better. Might not be easier, but it will be better. What's your role? Obey the next step that God puts in front of you. You know, when it seems like God has made a promise to you and then walked away, God hasn't walked away. God will protect you in the battle. He will provide for you in ways that you can't imagine. He will be with you in every up 
in every down. God is working in bigger ways than you can imagine, making his story better and ultimately making your story better. Well, what's one of the ways that you can obey today? Well, you can join all of us as a movement, the body of Christ, and inviting everyone we know to join us for Christmas Eve. Now, you've probably heard they can join us in our front parking lot where we'll have a drive-in movie screen. They can join us at our facility, or they can join us online at connectionpoint.org. Whichever one of those three options they choose, we've got incredible Christmas Eve services planned. What's it all about? Helping people who need Jesus know that he's the light of the world. He's the solution to their greatest problems. And I know it's God's will for all of us to obey him in inviting. In fact, you can text the word invite to the number on the screen and we'll text you right back an invite on your phone that you can either text to your friends or you can share it on social media. Here's what we've learned today. Joseph and Mary, they gave up their own families to protect Jesus and raise Jesus. You know, I had never realized this before. It's what's so great about the word of God. You study it over and over again and you constantly learn new things. I never really realized that Mary and Joseph weren't from Nazareth. Their entire life, they're gonna live in different places than they wanted to live because of what God called them to do. You see, their role in God's story, it required sacrifice. It required trust and it required obedience. And I know in your life today where God's asking you to sacrifice or to trust or obey, I know it's not easy. You know, it wasn't easy for Mary and Joseph either. But will you join me in saying, God, I wanna be like Joseph. When you show up and tell me what you want me to do in any area of my life, I wanna obey right away. God, I wanna join you in your work. Let me close by telling you something I learned from nature about this moth called the woolly bear moth. Now, here's what a woolly bear moth looks like when it's a caterpillar. And maybe you've seen some of these fuzzy caterpillars before, but this particular caterpillar, the woolly bear moth, it lives in the far north where it's hardly ever summer or spring. And here's the thing, this caterpillar, every year it freezes through the wintertime. It freezes and it literally turns into ice. And then in the spring, it will thaw out for just a few weeks because it's so far north. It'll thaw for a few weeks, it'll get sunlight, and then it freezes again. And I kid you not, this continues for 14 years. For 14 years, this caterpillar will freeze, thaw, freeze, thaw for 14 years. I mean, think about that. That's longer than some dogs live. And this caterpillar still hasn't even turned into a butterfly. It's just a caterpillar that keeps freezing and thawing. And then finally, in that 14th year, when the sun rises and the ice thaws, that little caterpillar will emerge as this beautiful moth. It takes it 14 years for it to happen. And here's what I want to tell you today. If you feel like all you're doing in life is freezing and eating, making progress and then getting stuck, don't give up. Your purpose and your success lie ahead of you. Your fulfillment and your legacy, they lie ahead of you. And even if it takes 14 years of freezing and thawing or 44 years of freezing and thawing, God 
has a purpose for you. God has a role for you to play in your family, in your city, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. God's got a role for you to play, a legacy for you to leave like Joseph did. But let me tell you this. The only reason that woolly bear moth slowly goes between freezing to life is the light of the warmth of the sun. We're gonna be telling everyone we love this Christmas Eve about the light of the world. The woolly bear moth cannot realize its purpose or its destiny without the light of the sun. And you can't realize your full purpose or destiny without the light of the son of God named Jesus by a man whose plans were disrupted, but who obeyed God even when life kept changing on him and his son would grow up to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me no longer has to walk in darkness, but will have the light that leads to life. Obey God with the light he's given you today. He'll keep leading you in your life. Let me pray that for you right now. Father, I think of every single person watching this, Lord, some in California, so many here in central Indiana, some in Paraguay we've heard and all around the world, Puerto Rico and elsewhere. And Lord, all of us have this one thing in common. We have things in our life like Joseph that have not gone as we had hoped. And we could easily turn bitter, but Lord, like Joseph, we wanna trust you that if you've allowed these things, you must have a plan that's better And even evil things like Herod, you can work them for good if we will listen to you and obey you one step at a time. So we thank you today for this inspiring example of Joseph obeying you when it didn't make sense, obeying you immediately, obeying you faithfully, and obeying you even when the plan seemed to change time and time again. Lord, help us be like Joseph. Help us obey you in inviting our friends and our neighbors into this Christmas Eve. And God, would you do a mighty work through our faithfulness, just as you did through Joseph's. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.